Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bloody awesome! Bloody Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, the last episode of 2023. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the pond is John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, sir. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm doing so well. I couldn't even think of anything witty to say in my um, introductory ramble about you there. But you are, of course, the statesman to my Kingsman. And if I was to have any bearded man fall down my chimney last week, it would have been you, my friend. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you had a lovely um, uh, festive celebration with your family, my, my man. I, I Yeah. Um, it You know, my wife got sick literally on Christmas Eve. Uh, so it made for a very quiet Christmas day because she was not feeling well. She tried mm-hmm. real hard, but you could just see like she did not feel good. Um, so uh, but yeah, um, it was a happy holiday. We had some really cool uh, presents for each other and um, and made uh, a non-traditional Christmas, which I'll, I'll talk about later on, though. But um I hope you've had a good holiday and uh, you, you get an extra, you get boxing day there in the UK. Yeah. We don't get that here. Um, but yeah, I hope the, the punches were thrown well and no one was uh, no teeth knocked out or anything, but yeah, no, it, there was, there's always that uh, temptation to go full Tyson on someone's full Tyson in their prime, but you got to keep it. You got to, you can't do that to your nan or anything. You've got to keep it on the level, but um, mm. yeah, no, it's very nice. Very nice. Pretty much three days of celebrating with family and then the friends before that as well. Uh, and with my kid as well she loved it so i have her now um getting all of our presents in so that was very very exciting i love christmas we've we've been speaking about it for the last four weeks on this show probably longer actually so you know you guys know how much we enjoy christmas so i'm glad you're able to um get some goodness out of your um holidays and i hope your wife is now feeling better i must say that uh, i woke up this morning and there was a knock on the door and it's an Amazon delivery driver. Da, 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 da. Oh, he had my name on it, John Burke. Now I, I purposely didn't tell you this because I thought I'd save it, but a gift turned up this morning and inside of it was a Ghostbusters keychain, a PKE meter and a ghost trap, which lights up. They, but they both light up and interactive. And I was like, I know exactly who this is from. It's from John Burke. So thank you for my Ghostbusters themed toys. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, collectibles. I want to say collectibles. collectibles. Uh, I don't know how the one thing with ordering online, uh, because it's impossible to buy something here and ship to you because it's outrageously expensive. So weird. Um, so I have to like, I go to amazon.co.uk and, uh, just pretend like I live there and they do the transfer automatically for the, the, uh, the money. Um, but I don't know how big they are. I'm assuming they're really tiny. I would hope not, but I was like, I don't know if these are like life-size replicas or these are like sit on your desk type replicas so uh what are, are they are they small 
They are they are sit on your desk type replicas, but I like okay. that because like it because of that. So I can now put them in my Ghostbusters collection, which can be kind of be seen in our latest TikTok reel, uh, which has already dated the show now. But in one of our TikTok reels, you can see little Ghostbusters things in the corner. So it's, they're going to go on there. Um, our kids been playing on them as well. In fact, I've told her that there was ghosts in in the slime that she was playing with. So nice Ghostbusters two reference right there. But yeah, no, very very pleased with that, my friend. It was a uh, a pleasant surprise to wake up to this morning. Well, there's one more gift coming because um, I don't know why it shipped in two different packages. Uh, but um, the other gift, I think, is set to be there next week. But it's I don't I don't know for sure. But um, so yeah, what well, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving, like Boxing Day. Uh, so be be aware, it Christmas shall arrive. Never ends. And before we move on to our discussion tonight. Um, you got a really, really cool gift. I think you and your wife got it, didn't you, from your daughter? And you sent it to me, yeah. an image. And I was like, this is this is awesome. But I'll let you you know, spill the beans on that. Well, my daughter is uh, an increasingly talented artist. Um, she's really uh, gotten into both digitally painting, but also uh, actually painting. So I sent you um, a, the image of uh, what, and I also posted this on my Instagram, but um, she painted, digitally painted, um, it's a wonderful life. My favorite movie of all time, uh, as my wife and I, and, uh, the cool thing she used, I forget the program. It's a really popular iPad mm-hmm. program to like paint on. Um, but it, it does like a time-lapse video. So like, she actually has a video of her like making it, you know, so she's using the original poster as reference, but then she's like painting over and she's using multiple pictures, like one of me, one of my wife to like actually have it look like us. Uh, she had to do all of the lettering by hand. So like the, the fonts at the bottom and say like, uh, she put Jonathan Birkenfield and, and Kathy Birkenfield as, um, the names. And so, uh, just incredible work, uh, detail and such a, a thought of love because it is, um, my favorite movie, partly because I, I do, I love the relationship at the center of It's a Wonderful Life. I, I think, you know, um, I'll lasso the moon is one of my favorite quotes. Um, and uh, for my wife, who is obsessed with Snoopy, she did uh, three hand paintings though, on actual canvas um, of Snoopy and Woodstock type stuff. And those are also incredible. Like one of them just looks like she bought it. And I'm just like, I don't, are we going to get sued? Like, does, uh, we're not selling it, so we should be fine. But it is like, it is like you've, you've kind of nailed the, uh, the art style, like spot on. Um, so those handmade gifts will put a lot of thought and uh, just surprise. I uh, was not expecting that at all. So it was really, really sweet and really, really well done. So uh, no, yeah, sweet. awesome Christmas. Yeah, I saw the picture and I was amazed by it. And my first thought was not how lovely, but I was like, ah, Maybe somebody would love to do the movie astrology graphics going forward. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, hey, you've 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 played your hand too hard, Taylor. Um, you really have works to do. So you really have to. And, and because the the pound to dollar currency isn't great, you'd have to get paid by your father. So there's that to look into. But uh, no, yeah. a wonderful, wonderful poster. It's been a great Christmas um, for us here on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And we do hope everyone listening had a wonderful Christmas if you celebrate. Now, to keep the good times going, hopefully, we will be discussing our main film of the week, our last one of the year. If you're new to the show, hello, we drop non-spoiler reviews on this main discussion of the biggest or most interesting film release of the week, and we give our thoughts and opinions on them. So if you haven't seen it, no spoilers. Tonight, we are reviewing Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, the final release in the legendary DCE 
you. Now, one more time, if you haven't seen it, it's been out for a week or so, but we're not going to spoil the film for you on this episode. Now, let's get to the tale of the tape. It's directed by James Wan. He's come back after helming the $1 billion plus Aquaman from 2018, I want to say. It's been five years now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and this was written by Wan. Uh, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, who is trying to win the longest name award. And Jason Momoa wrote this as well. I know he gave story treatments, so I'm assuming that's what they're basing this on. But Momoa has a writing credit for this. And of course, it stars Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry slash Aquaman. Patrick Wilson as King Orm. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta. Amber Heard as Mera. Nicole Kidman as Atlanta. Um, that is how you say it, Atlanta. I'm not trying to do an American accent. Uh, Randall Park as Dr. Stephen Shin. Tim Ware and Morrison, Tom Curry. Dolph Lundgren as King Nereus. And a plethora of other actors. Some are voice actors who I don't know if I should be mentioning, so I'm not going to, just to yeah. keep the fun of them in the film. Now, we don't spoil the episode, but we are going to read the synopsis. And IMDb have given me a screenplay to read. So it says... Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is a big one. Having failed to defeat Aquaman the first time, Black Manta, still driven by the need to avenge his father's death, will stop at nothing to take Aquaman down once and for all. This time, Black Manta is more formidable than ever before, wielding the power of the mythic Black Trident, which unleashes an ancient and malevolent force. To defeat him, Aquaman will turn to his imprisoned brother Orm, the former king of Atlantis, to forge an unlikely alliance. And together, they must set aside their differences in order to protect their kingdom and save Aquaman's family and the world from irreversible destruction. So, a yeah, a statement there from IMDb really has helped us out in terms of how we review this because we haven't got to go too far into the synopsis because there it is. Um, so, basically, Black Manta wants to take down Aquaman again. There's your synopsis. Um, now, the first film was, uh, when it came out, I remember it being fairly well-received, I think. It came fairly yeah. well-received. I didn't mind it first time. I have rewatched it and I kind of, I haven't soured on it, but I don't remember it being as fun as I remember it being anywhere near as. Um, but it made over a billion dollars and it was a DC EU's biggest hit. I don't know if it still is or not, but it certainly was their biggest hit financially. So of course they were going to do a follow up. Didn't think it would take five years and they would not have thought it would be their final outing in this current iteration. But how did this one fare then critically and with the fans? John, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes currently have this at 35% with their score. 79% audience score, though. Okay, that's more like it. Metascore, 43. IMDb has this at a flat 6 out of 10. The user score and Letterboxd has 2.4 out of 5 for their rating. Now, this is only available in theatres currently, so if you want to check it out, you know, post-Christmas, pre-New Year, Malay setting in, You'd have to go to your nearest theatre to watch it, but it will eventually be on Max or whichever mm, maybe. Uh, streaming service does your DC movies. Now, um, we're not going to spoil the film, but we're going to talk about it. Before we do that, though, John, how, what were your thoughts on the first Aquaman? And as a kind of top level, the DCEU is now dead, long live the DCEU. What are your kind of overall thoughts on how it all went? Well, I mean, I think it, it this movie i think is and i'm going to steal some some thoughts from the the film cast uh yeah, yeah. kind of on accident but also like you know it's it is things i had felt um 
the whole the biggest problem with the DCEU was that it tried to expedite what Marvel was doing, right? It tried to dive into the Avengers film without setting up each of those characters ahead of time. They didn't want to wait. And uh, that never fixed. It always felt wrong because of that. And that's why you have these movies that are hard to tell where they fall in the timeline. And it, it's you're starting to see that now with Marvel having to try to retrofit things into the 20 years, especially I think Eternals is the biggest one where they're like, no, 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 this happened before. But it was never referenced by anybody. And every every audience member was like, that doesn't make any sense that people would have referenced the giant hand coming out. of Right. Like that is that the Eternals issues is the entire dceu like it never felt like it got up you know like it just jumped into the deep end and was drowning the entire time and nothing could save it even aquaman who can breathe underwater and um for me aquaman i like jason momoa a lot in fact and he's the highlight of fast x right like he was the only <laughs> thing i really liked about fast x this year and um but I I have I don't think I like underwater movies very much. I I think they look they look really dumb in the first Aquaman whenever they were standing around having dialogue, right? Like cuz they were like they're like swimming and it looks stupid. It's not it shouldn't but it does. And yeah. um now that we've seen Avatar the Way of Water, Aquaman looks even worse by comparison cuz like that movie looks incredible and they actually Cameron made people go underwater for insane amount of times because Cameron is Cameron, you know? Um, and I, I've come to the, the, I don't think I get Juan's tone mm -hmm. with film in general. Like there are a few of his movies that have worked for me. He has this, uh, what was the movie I really hated that he did a couple years Malignum. ago? The, uh, yes. Um, I loved that film. A lot of people did. Right. And it's, I think, I, I because I come to that movie with a an expectation of one tone and I don't think Juan and I are on the same page. Um and that's I kind of feel the same with this movie. It's like a lot of it just feels real dumb. But I kind of think that Juan has this kind of whimsy about him that I don't I don't get on the same page as and for so it always feels cheesy to me where I think that's kind of the intention. And uh, it just doesn't work for my my sensibilities. Um, and that first Aquaman, a lot of people were really up on it. I was like lukewarm at best. And I'm like, yeah, there's stuff here, but there's things I don't enjoy. Um, and this movie is a mess for a lot of reasons, I think, outside of James Wan's fault. Um, like the there's the Amber Heard of it all because of the Johnny Depp stuff. Um, they cut her, they, they sideline her, but she's still in the movie. But like, you can tell where there are like major that she would have been prominent much more if there wasn't all the other stuff going on. Um, there's some insane, like just the, the fact that we needed a paragraph to summarize what's happening in this film is then embodied in the film because the film itself realizes that we don't have enough information to tell the story they want to tell. So they have to find characters to dump so much exposition. It is, unbearable at times and it's also stupid exposition because a lot of the lore is just like this is dumb um the opening and the if you've seen the trailer for aquaman you hear a voiceover i'm sorry i'm jumping into my review of the film but it, you, you kind of pushed me into it um <laughs> but in the trailer there's a voiceover of aquaman talking about like oh i finally got a job and it's just like none of that makes sense like none of it like why why are you still living on land 
like and your child can go underwater why can't you take your kid to atlantis like what are you doing and um the the whole voiceover sequence is the opening of this film and at first you're like who is he telling this to and it it's supposed to be the audience you think and then it's revealed that he's actually talking to a character you're like oh oh okay he's not just they're doing the whole it, since the last time you saw me kind of like tv opening because it's been five years but it's to a character so you're like oh okay that kind of makes a little bit of sense especially it's there's a little joke there it kind of works but then then it's he keeps talking and it becomes very clear he's not talking to that character he's now directly talking to the audience and it's like which is it movie and that's i think the summary of this movie it's like which is it what are you doing here because it's 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 so messy it's so clunky and the fun that happens and there are moments of fun i actually was surprised how much i was into patrick wilson in this film because a lot of times he doesn't work for me as an actor and i was like oh i'm actually kind of vibing the the uh the buddy comedy part which might just be i like buddy comedies and it just works for me but everything else i was bored at times uh, i was i was so sad for nicole kidman um grateful for willem dafoe getting out of this i think uh somehow uh but yeah and then also like they crammed the the, the second season of book of boba fett in here and i'm just like please stop um sorry to more <laughs> morrison but you might be the most boring serious actor on the planet because when you're trying to be serious i'm just like stop kick butt please like i can't i can't with you uh yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, so I I didn't love Aquaman, and I don't love this one. Is that, that's pretty clear. But uh, yeah, I'll take it, JB. I'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean DCU dead. I'm looking. I was just looking at the films that came out in it when you were talking. I was like, there are some good films there, but mostly it does just seem a bit drossy, to be honest. Man of Steel. I know people like it. I oh. think it's fine. You know, the score is better than the film by far. Um, Batman v Superman is not great suicide squad isn't particularly i didn't mind suicide squad but wonder woman is good justice league is not aquaman fine shazam i like shazam i had a good time with too. that birds of prey had a good time with that i thought man they're yeah. turning the corner wonder woman 1984 jesus christ um wow a film which pretty much sank patty jenkins career so far career yeah, yeah exactly wild the these uh, Zack snyder's justice league i know it's not officially part of it but i actually enjoyed that the suicide squad great yeah. Black Adam, yeah. fine. Yeah. Shazam, mm. Fury of the Gods, not great. The Flash is was fine. Blue Beetle was fine. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Blue Beetle is not part of it. Blue it Beetle isn't, is, but if you look at it's the, the next generation. If you look at the DCEU uh, filmography on Wikipedia, it, it lists it simply because it was released yeah. in, the, in the confines in of this awful cinematic also, universe. I, I, it might be in Gunn's favor to, to not include that because it, uh, as much as I think it's a solid film and I think there's a lot of, there's an audience who was really clamoring for something like Blue Beetle. The, the fact that it, it's kind of fallen flat and it is going to be associated with the DCEU because of the timing. Yeah. I think you just cut your losses and just let, let Superman, what late leg, legacy. I don't remember what he's calling it. Oh, I um, think it's legacy. Yeah. But let so. that be the first one and just accept it. Um, I meant to, I started this, but this film, as I was saying, like the, the DCU trying to be Marvel, but doing it in a short form version. That's what this movie is also trying to do. Like there's so many Marvel movie references in this movie. I it mean, literally basically, is. it's basically Thor Ragnarok, uh, in exactly, a lot of ways, except Thor Ragnarok 
it's well, great. I, I like Thor <laughs> Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there are so many Marvel references to this. That, you know, there's li- there is a literal, and I mean literal, Thor and Loki reference in this. Yeah, film. I was about to say that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like Literally. it's not even subtle. It's it's like Jason Momoa was like, "Hey, this was a good movie. Let's do that movie." on top of this other movie and then let's add Lord of the Rings to it for some reason. Like ah, you basically have yeah. a Sauron in this. Um, they literally have a Sauron that they, there is, they, there are so many films scattered throughout. And I think um, the, the kind of final moments of this film, I think was pretty much, we know we're going out. I think this was, I think the final shots were done yeah. after the decision. We're like, all right, let's just go out with a, a wink and a nod and a slap to the face of our rival, whether it works for you or not is in, is, is up for discussion. But John and I both got it immediately. But yeah, I think with, with the deep, before I go into the film, I think with the DCEU, I think Warner and DC relied too heavily on the public's built in knowledge of Batman, Superman mm. and wonder woman to basically skip the heavy lifting. I think in their heads, they're like, well, they know who Batman is and Wonder Woman. Super- we don't need to spend four films each building them up. We can just go straight to the Justice League. Whereas with Marvel, you're starting with Iron Man. I guess I mean, people know the Hulk, but Thor, you need to build these characters up for us to really give a damn about them. Uh, because comic book fans might know and love them, but the audiences don't. We do now. Whereas Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, I think these the, the execs and the suits were like, well, they know who they are. We can stick them in a film together and people will come to see it. That's all we need to do. And, no, you, you you cannot do that. That is not how you do a, a cinematic universe. But let's go on to Aquaman then and the Lost Kingdom. I thought the first film was quite fun when I or quite good. Sorry, when I first saw it. Upon second viewing, uh, it lost some of that luster for me, and it ended up kind of just smacking me in the face with OTT colorful effects. I did still like the trench part though. Um, but for this film, then John, um, yeah, kind of similarly to what you said, I think we spoke off air about this and. We said, yeah, it, it, it's clearly a mess because of off-screen incidents and issues. That's That has um, really forced the director's hand an awful lot here about what he can and can't do, how he's got to chop and change things, and at times it shows horribly. Um, and the film is a mess. Tonally, it's a mess. And like you, I think there's some fun moments in it. But unlike you, I was never bored of this. Now... Oh. It's one of those films where, I, where I'll give the old catchphrase that it ain't a great film, but I had a great time with it at times um, because it's not a good film. It, it patently is a average film. It's not. It's. I've seen the usual rhetoric that you know, worst film ever, worst film of the year. Guys, we're not to be that guy, but go and see more films. If this is the worst film of the year for you, see more films because this is just a. All this is basically is somebody's fed every superhero film in the last decade into an AI machine and said, get, make me a film. And this is what they've given us. It's just the same old kind of formulaic stuff that you can put anyone in the lead role, any character and any bad guy. And it's the same old, same old. That's all this is. It's not offensive. It's not terrible because of that. It's just, it exists. It's going to fizzle out very quickly. And it is a bit of a sad way to end um, a pretty sad cinematic universe. But I did. I would be lying when I said I wasn't having fun with a lot of this because it's more light and flimsy than 2018's Aquaman. It's it's more loose around the edges. They play into the silliness a lot more, and while it isn't great, it felt so much so less serious than the first one. Upon rewatching Aquaman, they take themselves so damn seriously in that film. It's all yeah, yes, of course, Momoa is whooping it up, but it is a very serious film, and everyone is very you know playing it very straight. Whereas here, they embrace the 
clearly silly nature of their film and it really does help the film out now that doesn't mean it's a great film but like you i think patrick wilson was very very fun as orm in a complete 180 of his character he was extremely yeah. straight in the first film here time. they've just said well you know here's your paycheck do you want and he's having fun and and i, and I liked that an awful lot um it is it is stupid though there are so many things in my notes which i've got which are you know i, I was watching uh at, at one point you know they they they're like where's where's the bad guy hiding where's where's this black man to hide in and you know they they give where well, they give where the guy's hiding and it's it's really like unsubtle volcano which is spewing green gas which has just happened like oh i wonder what i wonder where the villain's hiding it's stuff like that and um patrick wilson <laughs> you mentioned exposition yeah i think this is one maybe one of the ones you were referring to but at one point patrick wilson gives an exposition dump about this lot the lost kingdom and yeah. you could see the light leave his body and the paycheck reach his <laughs> bank account as he was saying it because it was the most kind of i'm reading off a cue card behind the camera moment it, there was no passion or, or love for what he was saying you could tell he was kind of he was reading it and thinking i have no idea what i'm being asked to say but i'll say it because i need to um and and that it, kind of unintentional humor was was kind of getting me through the film a little bit as well um and his his chemistry with momoa i think is really quite fun when yeah. patrick wilson and jason momoa are on screen together film is i'm not gonna say great but the fun is great i was really good they're really good bouncing off each other proper buddy cop type thing opposites mm-hmm. attract and all that when they're not on screen though this is where the entire film just falls apart for me you know, black mansa you know, uh, nothing, nothing against the IR because I think he's a fabulous actor. Good um, actor, yeah. But he is the, he, you know, he's got nothing to do. He has no arc. He has no dimension to his character. So we've got another bad villain. Um, Amber Heard as Mera. I mean, she's in it more than I thought, but not in it as much as she probably, like you said, would have been had she had all of the trial issues not happened. Nicole Kidman, I mean, speaking of people who have turned up for a, a, a fun paycheck and basically been told, you know, gi- give us a few lines, give us a few speeches and then on your way. Now, poor Nicole Kidman, she's in it for a few minutes and then gone. Dolph Lundgren is officially the worst actor I've probably seen in Dude. years. Just there's one bit. I, I don't actually remember what he says. He says something about firing something like a, a cannon. And I and I and I wish I had a, 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 a rewind function at the cinema because he turned around and he literally went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the what has this guy just said and because you can't understand him and he cannot yeah. emote and he's acting against jason momoa's uh charisma and nicole freaking kidman and yeah. he is being shown up like a sore thumb but um so yeah, he's the, in he's expendables the... four this year too you know what i'm saying oh. like it's two movies <laughs> where he's just like awful and you're like oh my god he's great when he's not i say that's a lie he's fine when he's not speaking when he's when he's just being like the i don't mean to say like the a big fucking guy yeah. yeah he's a presence yeah. and when he when he's uh interacting with orm wordlessly you know that I, you know i could see i get it i i dug that but nobody i mean i like randall park's character again he comes back as dr Stephen shin i liked him in this or at least his art because he got one uh, or was he development. in another movie? He was in the first Aquaman film. Really? I do not remember him in the first Aquaman he, he film. He was definitely in the first one. But, oh, um, man. Yeah, he's, there's a credit for it. So, yeah. He's he's definitely there. Other than that, I mean, I want to go through all the cast, but n- nobody really um, covers himself in glory. But Jason Momoa is having fun. He he turns the Momoa-ness up by a few notches here, and I dig it. But, you know, story-wise, it is what it is. 
it's ott it, it, it lacked any kind of real substance or threat or stakes because we all know this is the end of this iteration of the dceu unless they're going to pull a multiverse one day and bring them all back which i hope they don't um but yeah it, what more can i say it's for me it was a it was a fun very flawed superhero film it's a shame that this is the last one in this cinematic universe because you know i think there are other films that they probably could have or probably would have wanted to have ended with but i didn't hate this film i think it's average i think it's straight down the middle if i were to rate it now i'd probably give it five you know or sorry two and a half out of five with my new rating system okay because it's yeah it's, it's fine it's not a bad film i had fun with it but that's about it for me um what about you though to go further on any of those points or, or of course your own ones well you surprised me with that rating because that's that's probably where i throw it because i i am i am more inclined to give the harsh criticism for this film partly because um there's another movie that's out right now on streaming that is getting a lot of hate uh, because it is nothing more than a derivative piece of work by oh, a yes. filmmaker named Zack Snyder, ironically. <laughs> um, and that movie's getting so much hate for that. Like everyone's like, Oh, it's just star Wars. It's just blah. I'm like Aquaman is like eight other movies though. Like it's not <laughs> an original piece. And it, it literally, I, I don't want to spoil. I won't even spoil who, but there's a job of the hut character in this. Oh, movie. There is. And I'm like, how is this movie not getting that same criticism? And the reason is because no one's going to see this movie proof in the box office, right? This movie underperformed in the box office yeah, where Rebel Moon's on Netflix and everybody's watching it because it's on Netflix. And it's 132 Rebel- million, by the way, for this with a box office of about 205. Right. Uh, and worldwide, right? Like yeah, that's, that's the worldwide cool. box. Uh, um it like people aren't going to see this because well let's look at all of the dc movies from this year all of them have bombed uh people were were done with this even the one that seemed to have the biggest fan reaction was blue beetle but people didn't go see it like by by large comparison like people slept on the all the comic book movies really there's the exception being guardians um you know the other movies mostly did not do well this year because we're comic book fatigue is clearly real um but this this movie uh i feel like it it's not it's it's so clearly a a product of contract completion you know what i'm saying like it doesn't feel like i think momoa loved the property i think juan loved the property but there's so many things crammed into this it is almost like Juan knew this was this is my last comic book movie let's do everything in this movie and it it feels stuffed and uh it's not super long i mean so i think it's two hours and four minutes or something like that so like but when you when you read that synopsis and when you see how much it requires to explain what you're going to deal with it's like you you clearly did too much like pull manta out of this just have the, the the stupid trident thing be your movie and or better yet black manta is the lex luther to aquaman right like he is the villain let him be the villain he wasn't really the villain in the first movie because they make it ocean master which what a one of the lamest comic book villain names of all time ocean master Master. (laughs) i hate that name um and i thought that was a really cheesy part of that movie i'm like why isn't black manta just the villain and then i'm like oh well the second movie then black manta will be the villain nope he's gonna get a submarine that doesn't make any sense like it's a gigantic ship um and randall park's character in this movie i like randall park as an actor just for clarity but yeah 
my God, he exists for exposition and nothing else in this film. Like, he is literally a character. If he steps on screen, it's like, I'm about to explain a bunch of nonsense so that the movie makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. It's just a bunch of nonsense that is being spouted by some guy who really doesn't understand what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> apparently, though, the fuel source in this movie, much like like they didn't learn from Solo, that movies about people chasing fuel sources are boring, um, unless it's an oil baron and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So, yeah. you know, um, like, this is... It's it's baffling at times to watch this because it's like when the when it's working, it's working, but there's so much in between that is not, and it's it's so that's what I guess bored isn't even the right phrase. I was I was frustrated, I was aggravated because I'm like, why is this so messy? Like, yeah. trim this out, get rid of this. Why? I mean, the 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 fact that he has a child, even the his own exposition he's like i finally got a job i'm like dude you were superheroing before the first movie like the first movie yeah we enter in you're already aquaman in that first film it's not like we it's you get flashback origin story for aquaman but no you don't need a job like what is this nonsense about you finally got a job i'm the king of the like no shut up that was never your concern you weren't like in the first movie like i'm a bum and then even within their own DCU, if you saw the Flash, there is a post-credit scene with Aquaman, and he's drunk and upset. That Aquaman is not in this movie. This is a different Aquaman than what we saw in the post-credits yeah. of the Flash. Now, I don't exactly know when any of these movies take place anymore, so maybe <laughs> that one, maybe it's corrected because of Flashpoint at the end of that. You know, I have no idea, but no matter what. The, there's so many elements of this film that feel disconnected from everything that came before it. And also all of the connective stuff feels forced or uh, like not given enough weight. Black Manta should be your main villain in this film. And he is not, he is an afterthought. And that is a huge problem because we're still with him a lot. Like he require he, he is, I mean, it reminds me of, um, Oh, what movie is it with the spear where like, uh, God, Constantine? I think it's Constantine, where the like the guy is chasing a spear, the spear of like the, that killed Jesus. Yes. Man, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that's like he's got this trident. He doesn't really understand what he's doing, but he's driven to do these things because there's this other force that really wants this stuff. And you're just like, oh my god, movie. Why he had motivation? His, his dad was killed by Aquaman. He wants to kill Aquaman. Boom. There's your movie. Keep it simple, please. Like, well, don't. Yep. And what I liked about Black Manta is I don't I won't, I won't spoil much about anything else, but. I've all I've said about this about Marvel films and and other properties that I would like to see a, a villain that's kind of you know sticks the course a little bit doesn't just come in for one film die and then we have mm-hmm. a new film I like the fact that they 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 yeah, yeah, back yeah. Black Manta and he 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 is a ongoing antagonist but to your point yeah he's not the main antagonist again which isn't great and his his motivation his behaviors in this film his attitude and his kind of end attitude as well I like that as well. I like the like the final thing he does and says in this film. I'm like, yes, I'm glad that happened. And that's all I'll say on that. But um, yeah. I wish more superhero films would just continue with a an ongoing villain. Yeah, I like that idea too. And, I, you know, I, I would have enjoyed um, more of it. And they, I guess you could also argue that Patrick Wilson's character being introduced back in is a continuation of another villain, although a different. It's... Again, they literally call out the 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 borrowing that they've done of the plot line, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's 
it's just a mess of a movie. And I don't know if that's because of all the reshoots. Cause there was, this movie was, there's tons of like behind the scenes, like controversy type stuff that happened with this. There was things about Amber Heard being like locked out of it. Like, so all of that, to, uh, maybe that's the issue. Uh, maybe the lost kingdom stuff was like, it, it doesn't, it's, it's too ingrained in the other elements to not feel like that was always the goal. But like, if that's your goal, I think you, you start with, that being the the opening narration instead of this Aquaman needing a job and like this, this drama that isn't really part of the film, you know, like him ruling, like there's a few scenes where like he's sitting as the King, but they don't, they don't amount to anything. Yeah. Um, it's just like annoying sequences that take up time that don't pay off or, or matter. Um, yeah, it's bad. I, 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 I don't, I don't think it's the worst movie of the year just to, to jump off of what you said there. Like, I think people are maybe being a, a, a tad bit too hyperbolic. Um, but I do think it's, it's bad. And it, yet, yet there's James Wan is a competent filmmaker. I may not mesh with his vibe all the time, but yeah. he, he's, he's able to give you some awesome sequences. It's just, you feel the, the mechanisms of it all. Like it's, it's so overwrought with content and i i can't get past all of that like it's it's clunky as all get out and you know just those moments and again i think the wilson and momoa like if they did a buddy comedy outside of aquaman like if they did like a cop movie i'd probably watch it because i enjoyed their their chemistry that to me the most fun i've seen patrick wilson having on screen in a while like i was like yeah, oh I he's agree. actually when when they're vibing because there are the scenes like you said where he's clearly just like okay fine I'm going to pay the favor so I can direct insidious seven. Um, but <laughs> please yeah, don't. Uh, please, please don't. But yeah, didn't like this. Um, and uh, just, I think we didn't say this, but usually we'll, we'll do a spoiler episode, but we're recording this really late in the week. So we're not going to do a spoiler up for this. Um, but, and I won't spoil it, but I think the worst and most pointless post-credit scene in all of comic book movies is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it does tie up a joke from the film. So uh, but, there is but, that, but yeah, without again, without spoiling it, um, the the one thing that the film cast points out is they show part of that scene, part of the end stinger. They show in the like epilogue of the film, yeah. and then they cut back to it. And they, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. The film cast says it's never happened. I don't think it's ever happened. Usually, the post credits is a separate standalone I don't scene. Cool, happening. And this one was like, you could have already shown this. You could have shown this there or cut that little part out when we first see it and just put that whole scene as the singer instead of it being this weird, like, return to moment. And and again, for it to, to it's a payoff of a dumb joke, I'd like to point out, too. That, that joke early in the movie <laughs> is really dumb. It works, but it's really dumb. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, it's Big Brother picking on the fish out of water, so to speak, literal in this sense. Um, yeah, People in my sector were... were making some disturbed noises at that scene. Sure. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, Very gross. but um, I, I, I think that scene would have been much, I, Hey, look, I didn't mind it, but I would have actually preferred it. Like you say, then had it been the full scene in the post credits kind of final yeah. thing, it was this full scene. Cause then it just been, it would have been a kind of funny WTF moment. Like what is that it? Rather well, than I thought funny and also sentimental because there is an emotional part to that right like the 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 there's a conversation that the brothers have that yes. it pays off like it would have been a nice little you know okay little uh was like rose on the cake sort of thing you know like oh, very nice. on the cake type thing yeah. yeah 
and, and they weren't and instead, back to reshoots. Let's just say that <laughs> they weren't reshooting a final scene for that. And again, I don't know if you know this is the last movie. Why even? You know, it, it feels obligatory at this point, and I hate that. Like, you know, just no. Let's not let's not make these post credit scenes if they're not actually doing something. You know. No, I dig it. Okay, well then, Aquaman and Lost Kingdom. Before we move on, then, John, are we on level ground there, or are you more positive or negative than me? Because I don't think I can tell. I think I, I'm a two point five. Uh, so I'm, on, I, I'm just I'm leaning into the criticisms a little more. No, nope, uh, that's fair enough. For, for the first time, possibly in BAP history, I'm I'm leaning in more into the wackiness. It's usually John, um, rather than me moaning about things. But John is leaning into the criticism. Though there were a few nice messages here about single parents and you know yeah, real heroes I mean, not giving up, like, that's that's cool. You know, it all felt very kind of uh, sort of stuff you'd find written on your your aunt's wall in the kitchen the or something. He he's not a single parent. No, he's not. But they act exactly. they act like he is. I mean, like that opening I mean, monologue is acting like he's a, a single parent. But it's like your you your mom is back. You have your wife. Like it, there's a whole thing about don't hit my wife. Like it's you know what I'm saying <laughs> like yeah. I'm thinking about, I guess, Tom, which is Tim Wera's character. I guess him, I guess. But, um, yeah, there, there, there was nice messages. But, yeah, it all felt a little bit like, yeah, sort of stuff you'd find in a craft shop on a on an old piece of wood painted on it. So um, we're both going two and a half out of five then for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom as we bid farewell to the DC Extended Universe. We never knew you. And, and the final part of that is the co-CEOs of DC, James Gunn and Peter Safran, stated that Aquaman 2 will take place following the reset of the timeline uh, due to The Flash, and that it will be directly followed by a slate of projects given the title of Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, which mentions the true start will occur in 2025. So this, take, so this Aquaman 2 takes place after The Flash and the whole reset, and then that's it dead now. The DCU will begin in 2025 with the subtitle chapter one gods and monsters so very interesting it's come back in a year's time when we review the first dcu film and hopefully it's uh, a good start for the universe now let's move on then jb to our next segment concessions of a cinephile uh, where we just like to have a little water cooler chat about anything to do with film and and this week we thought we'd chat about something we've spoken about on and off air as well as on and off on and off air for years now and that is the theater going experience going to the movies and having a great time also we hope uh with obviously with the rise of streaming uh the cost of living and just uh more in stu- in-house issues with the theater is it still an enjoyable experience how do we find it um and i know john was very excited or passionate to talk about this one and always my, my theater is the one i go to is or cinema for my uh, european friends is mine's about 20 minutes away so easy easy drive it's a cine world there's a big old chain and it has all of the mod cons apart from all of the treats that you guys in the states get but the and, and, and we would never ever advocate for the cinema going experience to die out that that is our bread and butter that's our lifeblood here on the bamp for john and myself and it has been for years and years and years going to the cinema to watch the newest films whether they're huge blockbusters or small independent films the theater going experience has been something which has kept us going 
through highs and lows, through the good and the bad for, for, for decades. And you know, that escapism or, you know, I can't speak for John, but, you know, if, if you're feeling down one day, you know, go and watch, go and watch, go and watch a, a, a film. And it could be a superhero film, you know, get kind of get you out of that funk a little bit and you know, g- give you a bit of hope or, or something. Or if you want to feel philosophical, go and watch the latest film from, you know, insert European director here. But it's that experience. We don't want to die, my friend. But the studio, the theatres themselves, man, doing quite a good job of making it of quite a frustrating trip, aren't they? Yeah. In, in a way, this conversation is, is directed to the theatre chains. Um, yeah, they yeah. desperately want people to come back because that's how they make their money, right? People have to come to the theatre. They have to buy tickets. They have to buy concessions because that's really where theatres make their money. And they have to do it consistently, not just on the one or two big movies of the year. Like um, this year, it, it was not the comic book movies that brought people to the theaters. It was instead Barbie and Oppenheimer that seemed to really do it. And um, Mary, yeah. yeah, and uh, we've had uh, two uh, two video game properties because Five Nights at Freddy's also shocked the world, um, mm-hmm. especially because that was a same day uh, streaming experience, and people still chose to go to the theater for that communal experience. And that is really what going to the movies is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be a shared experience, right? Like it's not just getting to see it on the big screen, the way the filmmaker intended. It's also seeing it with other people hearing the reactions. Um, I went to see anyone, but you the other day, I went at one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And I expected that movie, Matt to be uh, by myself because it was one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I, instead there were like 15, 16 people, which isn't a lot by uh, theater standards. But for my theater, especially one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, that was quite a few people. And six of them were together. There was like a group, a gaggle of old women um, who had had lunch and had come to enjoy the theater. When they, I got it, I was the first one in the theater, as I often am. They joined. They didn't see me for a minute, even though it's a very small theater and I have a very shiny head. Um <laughs> And I, I heard them like, oh, we're alone. We can just sit wherever we want. My theater recently added assigned seats like Thank within God the last six months. No, it's the worst thing ever, dude, because our theaters are never crowded enough to justify the assigned seats. And so people just walk in and then they say things like, we can just sit wherever we want, even though you have assigned seats. Right. Like, so, like- um, well, because again, if, if there is a packed house, people will have to respect it. But when there's four people in the theater, they're just going to sit where they want. So why waste time? Make is that it slows the ticket buying process. This is just another there's so much to talk about with this. If you are going to the theater and you are going to drop 30 bucks, you know, let's if you're alone, one ticket, 10 bucks, popcorn, soda, 20 bucks. $30 minimum if you are going to do that whole thing, right? And odds are, if you don't go very often, you're going to do that whole experience, right? Like it's going to be your thing. Then you go, you're expecting to give up two hours of your time for the movie. Yep. And that's 2D tickets, by the way. Let's get that. Yeah, that yes. Not IMAX, not any of those weird other like immersive experiences that are now trying to get people in just to go. And now you have to sit through 20 minutes of trailers uh, if it starts on time, which my theater actively starts everything five minutes late. Um, you know, my theater is getting, it's, it's, I don't think they've had a remodel for 20 years. So like the seats aren't great. The seat assignments now are retrofitted. They don't all really make sense. Um, and it's, uh, we've seen a big trend because theaters are not making as much money. They're cutting staff, right? We, we're seeing that in a lot of different uh, areas like you go to customer service areas and there's nobody there because there's only three people working during the day because they don't have the money to pay them or so they say as they make billions of dollars in profit 
but not the theaters. The theaters are notoriously losing money. We've no they the shutdown hurt them even more. They were already in trouble. The, the yep. lockdown hurt them more, and uh, streaming has really hurt the theater because a lot of people would just rather wait and not pay the extra money. They're already paying ten bucks for Netflix. Why pay ten bucks per movie when they pay ten bucks on Netflix and get to see fifty movies? You know, um, and since the 50s tv has injured film right and it's only gotten more severe uh as tv has become the the way people seem to prefer consuming media is is in prestige tv type stuff so a lot working against the movies that theaters have started cutting employees and now where you used to go to the movies and you'd go to the box office and you'd buy your ticket most theaters at least in my area have shut down box offices and you must go either to a digital kiosk, which my theater does not have, or if they don't have that, the concession stand to buy your ticket, which means you are now condensing what used to be two separate lines into one line. And if you only want to buy a ticket and you're waiting on a family of 10 who have ordered eight popcorns and six sodas for one poor employee to not only ring out everybody, let them pick their seats because now that's an assigned seat thing. They have to pick their seats on the screen. Most people don't know that. So they're like, oh, I don't know which one. And you have to wait as they stare at a screen of, of things. They often will pick an assigned seat next to somebody else because that's what the stupid program defaults <laughs> to. Then, you know, this employee's got to run over here, get popcorn, get this. They This kid spilled the icy that they just handed them. And like, it's, it's, it's a cluster F every time you go to the theater that I get there even earlier than I used to because I'm trying to avoid that line of like just an insane amount of people who are getting there last minute. Now, what prompted this conversation today? I went the night before we were recording this to see the boys in the boat at my local theater, expecting a Thursday night where nothing new came out this weekend. Today is Friday when we're recording this. Nothing else is out. Everything came out last weekend, either before Christmas or on Christmas, right? The boys in the boat and the color purple, my theater got on Christmas day. Yep. So I went Thursday night thinking, Hey, no one will be there. It's a George Clooney movie. That's getting really bad you know, reviews. <laughs> it's a Thursday night. I'm going to go to the seven o'clock show. No one will be there packed for my theater. Like an, I was, and other people were going to see other stuff. Like it was a, it was a busier Thursday night than I was anticipating. So I'm standing in line waiting to get, there's two lines. I'm standing in one line waiting to buy my ticket and get my small free popcorn that I got and my small free soda that I got because of their rewards programs that they're doing to try to get people coming to the theater. And the people to my left, they're, they're slowing the line down. I don't know what's going on. There's something going on there. They're the, the line next to me really going slow. I hear this old man who's standing behind them go, what's the holdup? Here we go. And the cashier starts to try to, you know, oh, well, we're, we're trying to solve this problem. He's like, well, solve it somewhere else. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, sure wow. Uh, possible, sir. Yeah, I'm sure this guy must be late for his movie or something that he's so angry. Now, it's it's 7 o'clock. The Boys in the Boat starts at 7.15. I get my ticket. I get my popcorn. I walk past this very angry man who's still waiting. I go sit in the theater. There's already a few people in the boys in the boat. And sure enough, like less than two minutes later, that old man comes and with his wife, they sit in the same row as me, two seats to my left. And I'm like, of course. And also you were so angry at how long it was taking. And you are 10 minutes early 
to the movie that won't start on time. And then we'll have 25 minutes of trailers on top of it starting five minutes late. So 7.15, the boys in the boat actually started playing at 7.45. The the movie, the opening title credit started at 7.45. And this is a problem theater. One, you're going to get angry people it, when you condense lines because that dude didn't buy popcorn. They brought in their own bottle of water. They brought in their own ca- bag of cashews. I had to listen to them have this conversation. Um, so they didn't buy your concessions. They yelled at another customer. So I'm sure those those people were not comfortable uh, in that moment that they are getting yelled at for, for trying to spend money at your establishment. And I'm sorry, but while that old man was out of line, he had no reason to be that impatient. The, the theaters are setting that up when you don't have those digital kiosk options, which <laughs> I don't think he would have used. And you don't have a designated area for people who just want to get the ticket and get into the theater. You're going to have issues. And you might say, oh, well, you can just buy your tickets on the app. And yes, that's true. And in the old days, there was a person standing between you and the theater. So like, you had to hand your ticket to someone. And that at one point, they would have a little scanner and they could scan your ticket on your phone if you had that. They have phased that position out most days. Like on a busy weekend night, maybe there's somebody standing up there to take your ticket. Most of the time, there's nobody there. So people could just walk in, again, defeating the whole point of them trying to get people to buy tickets. But two, you are creating a situation where you've made convenience inconvenient. I bought my ticket ahead of time. I paid a 50 cent convenience fee, which Regal charges. And now I still have to wait in line to get my ticket because you don't have another resource for me to do that. And I think that's my my point, theaters, is people who don't go all the time don't know all of these little bugaboos they're going to run into like I do. I, I literally know how many movies I've seen at my Regal this year because I got a, a free soft drink and 4,000 bonus points because I saw 75 movies with my Regal Unlimited Pass this year. And I know all of these little things. I know what I have to plan for. I know that I'm showing up way too early for these movies. I could show up 10 minutes late and still not miss the beginning of the film. But I still show up early because I'm old school and that's just my way. But people who only come to see Barbie for the first time, they haven't been to a theater since the pandemic, they don't know they're going to be sitting in silence for 10 minutes. They don't know they're going to have to pick their assigned seat. They don't know these things. And if they have an unpleasant experience, what are the odds they're coming back? And mm-hmm. that I think we need to address these things. Like I, I see the benefit of trailers. You want people to know what's coming out so they'll come back. But instead, they get aggravated. And they don't remember what they saw because you, you showed them 20 trailers before the movie started. And then they sat there for two hours kind of unhappy because they were like, well, I thought we'd be out of here. The movie's two hours long. I thought we'd be out at three, but it's going to be 4.30 now before we're leaving. You know, like... Things like that weigh in on people. People hate waiting in line anyways, mm-hmm. but you've created a, a intolerable experience because if you don't want popcorn, you should be able to get your ticket and go sit down and you can't anymore, at least not specifically at my theater, but I've been to several theaters. I don't exclusively go to this theater and a lot of them are doing this. Uh, you know, there was one that has kept their box office longer than uh, other theaters in our area because my theater dropped their box office like two years ago. Like it's pretty much since the pandemic, we've not had a normal box office situation. But there was another theater about 45 minutes away that had the box office until like three months ago. And but they have digital kiosks, at least there's still another way to get around it. And 
there is a there's a separate place you're not buying your ticket at concessions i think that is the worst thing and i understand the motivation you want us to buy concessions but man forcing people to have to wait behind a family of someone who has little kids they're buying all those little kid packs you know so each kid gets their little little box and it's so cute until you're waiting for 20 minutes and your movie is starting and there's that anxiety and they don't know that there's 20 minutes of trailers because they've not been to the theater that often. Like these are things I, I really feel we need to address uh, theaters. Like I, you need people there, but you have to make the experience enjoyable and it has to be a positive experience. And again, even little things, my theater, they don't even come to close the doors anymore because they don't have the staff to do it. But there's like Ferrari was playing across the hall from us at the boys in the boat. So the first five minutes of the movie, you hear the engines roaring <laughs> from the Ferrari races. And I'm like, Oh man, I got to get up and close the door. And I don't mind doing it, but come on. Like it's, it's don't not your don't, job to do it, John. Well, don't prop the doors open even like, what's the point? Like there's a door, there's a knob. You don't need to prop it open. Just let it be closed because other people don't know they should go close it. Like whoever was in Ferrari should have closed that door just because like, wow, this movie's real loud. Like, you yeah. know, what I'm like it's those things that it, you, you have to consider the whole experience. If you want people to come to the theater, it needs to be enjoyable. The projection needs to look good. Those, those are other issues that we won't get into right now, but I didn't mean to stand on a soapbox for quite so long, Matt, and just vent. Uh, but it, it, this is something I, I value this experience so much that I am afraid we're going to lose it because they are they are pushing people away. So what have been your experiences? What are your thoughts on all the stuff I just dumped out on top of you here? Well, I, I feel like you've been waiting to get it off your chest for a long time, JB. I'll give you a I'll give you a few minutes to to breathe now, my man. Um, Basically, uh, similarly to what you said, we have the same over here where, where I my theater I mentioned does have the digital booths, which you can just walk up and get your ticket. And uh, that's great. And I order mine on the app. That's great. I just get the guy to scan the QR code. But mm-hmm. yep, I remember same. growing up and I remember going to the box office, which um, at the time was I went to a different cinema, was located outside of the theater. So just outside in the foyer. And, um, you know, you'd go up. I remember going up and saying, oh, one ticket to Revenge of the Sith, please. And I get like, I'm getting a ticket stub. It's similarly to when you go to gigs and you don't really get tickets anymore. So no, that was don't. always the first part of the experience. And I've seen many people online um, who have posted their movie ticket collection. Now, whether that's yeah. from the last 20 years or going back to the last 50, 60 years, whatever, it's still I cool have- to see them. When I started at Burke Reviews, my wife bought me a little, uh, like a shadow box thing where you, it had like a little slip to keep movie tickets in. And I have all of my tickets. Yeah, and at some point cool. they, they turn from tickets to uh, paper receipts. And then eventually I stopped doing it because I'm like, it's really lame to keep a receipt. Like yeah. I, the tickets had like weight and heft to them. Just, paper just, receipts cool. don't. Yeah, they did. Do you, I, you go, I give it to the guy at the door. He'd rip it for me. So they go, I've got my tickets being, they, they've ripped my ticket. So I, they, I know I can go into the cinema now and enjoy it. But, um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of the problems we, we, you've, you've already mentioned, so I won't labor it too much, but you look at the price of tickets at the, at the turn of the decade, the price of tickets had doubled since the beginning of the decade. That is already an mm-hmm. issue. Now you've already mentioned the pandemic and a lot of the, a lot of issues would have been stemming from that because at the time theaters thought we thought theaters were going to close. That was the kind of economic landscape was saying the, 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 these buildings haven't been showing films for, for a year or so. 
it's non-sustainable. And of course, we mentioned the economic side of it. You've got to pay the staff. You've got to pay for maintenance to the pr- the premises and everything as well. And giving the studios their share of the ticket prices, of course, with the cost of budgets going up, there's all, there's the need for studios to be making more money. Therefore, ticket prices, which is an unfair uh, payment going to the movie going public who like you say there are some who will only go to watch the new marvel film or the new dc film or whatever yeah they haven't you know and or, or there are others who will go and see every film like the new george clooney one which apparently isn't doing very well who pay the same price because the, these the theaters are pumping out over overly produced overly budgeted films and i don't like that but the problem is you need to pay the staff. You need to maintain a premises, but you've hit the nail on the head. Really JB is, and I know somebody who works in a cinema and this is happening is staff are getting let go. Yeah. There's not enough staff. So I've, you know, I've had the same as you. I've been at the stand before and you know, I don't begrudge this, you know, family of four, two adults, two kids, they go to the Baskin Robbins section. A couple of them get a few scoops, but the kids, they get the, the shakes, which take a seemingly five minutes to eat yeah. to make and I don't, you know I don't, I, that's cool like you said that might be their one you know family experience of the holidays going to watch this film i think it's one i think it was um that's cool you know enjoy it but there was only one person working like you said on a friday night and there was queues oh, of people who just wanted popcorn there were some who just wanted a, a, a coke um i wanted ice cream as well but um and you, you kind of feel for them just as much as the people. I don't know, people in the line as well. I feel for the person working behind it because what can you do if, you, if if your colleague is either on his break or their break, not in? They've called in sick. They've been let go, or they've been assigned to cleaning the screens or checking tickets. What can you do if you haven't got enough staff? And it's you and I go quite a lot to be able to, to see the dwindling number of people or just the. The, the, the conditions of the cinemas aren't as clean or they're not as uh well the security isn't as great let's say i'll go into that in a minute but we go more often so we see that whereas somebody doesn't go all the time might not see that and think well hold on you know i've come here why aren't you serving me serve me next or where's your colleagues to serve me <laughs> colleagues are at home looking for a new job um but mm-hmm. the actual experience itself is getting worse i've mentioned before how many times yeah. you want to go and watch a film man whether it's by yourself or if i take my kid or even if i even if i treat one of the pa- parents to go and watch a film what are the people in the screening going to be like people oh, now yeah. on their phones they're talking i mean taking pictures of the screen because i didn't even want to get to that but yeah <laughs> i mean i have to that that that, that is my experience yeah. Everything you've mentioned, again, I don't, I don't want to double down on what you said because you said it so well, and also, you know, you've already said that in terms of the 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 experience of going there, the price of concessions. Do you have to buy them? No, but everything you said was for me spot on. People mm-hmm. are there buying their ticket. They they may have spent ten minutes in line without the intention of buying it, but if I waited long enough, I might as well get a popcorn and a soda, and that's fifteen dollars off fifteen pounds, or um or it's a family or it's somebody who's going and um, that's just the, the thing that, like me, the thing that they do, they always get the same kind of thing. The, you know, it's expensive enough as it is, but when you go into the theater and there is no governance, there is no, I don't say security, but there's nothing. And you and you could say the guy getting paid minimum wage, they, are they going to come in and throw out a group of 15 year olds, 15 no. teenagers who are causing up? Probably not, but, well, it especially really if everyone else, if they're the only person working and they're at they're behind the counter, they yep. can't come 
yep. to the theater and can't kill someone else. So you're right there. I agree. But I think part of the problem, why it's gotten increasingly bad is that a lot of those people have never been to a theater before or haven't been in a theater enough to know the etiquette or the proper protocol. And again, there is no one to enforce the etiquette like Alamo draft house is a chain here in the States that notoriously is really good about that. And they, they are a successful chain. They've had to do a lot of branding and they, I, I don't know if they're also struggling as far, but they do a lot of like retro screenings and things like that. Like they, they've created a community of, of movie watchers, right? That's missing from multiplexes. There, there's not a community of movie watchers. People come for these event movies because they heard about it and they want to be a part of the conversation. It's more for FOMO than it is for, the the actual love of cinema like you and i and many of the people who probably listen to this podcast have and that is in many ways we are preaching to the choir by talking about that on a movie podcast but i think if we got people coming to the theater more that the the communal experience would would shape behavior which we have seen tons of examples of right when when you go to a place and there is a there's always going to be there's always potential for one person to push against the societal norms. And that person should be able to be dealt with by the community. But when the community itself is so disjointed and disconnected, the expectations of behavior aren't communicated in a way where they will know them. And that's a problem. Like if a group of 13 year olds who have never been to a theater before go to see five nights at Freddy's because they love that video game, they don't know how they should behave in there. They're going to behave like they would behave at home, which is most likely pretty open and loosey goosey. And that's not the theatrical experience. Now there, again, there are some people who would talk no matter what, there are just people who don't get social cues, but oh, yeah. most some people, people are just stupid, which I'll just say now, some of the people who yeah. I've been in a theater with are just stupid. They are, they are, they are rude and they are, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to say awful people because I know exactly what they are doing by spoiling other people's experiences. Yeah, and and again, um, there there are definitely horrible people that exist in the world. So, like those, I would I want to assume those are the anomalies. Although lately, it has felt like that is more of the standard. But mm-hmm. I I feel like if theaters can fix the problems to lure people in, and again, I think. You know, there's, I think in general with the economy, I'm not an economist by any means. I don't fully understand, but it does seem to me like if all the people who sell things collectively decided to just like lower the prices, it would benefit everybody because the people with no money would be able to suddenly afford things again. And that means they would buy things, which means those companies that would, maybe they would make less money per item, but they would make more money on the whole because everyone's able to actually buy stuff. I feel like that would be very easy in this microcosm of cinema. Like the movie theater chains don't make a lot off ticket sales to begin with. If they would lower the price of tickets and honestly, Hollywood, if you would lower your, maybe chill out on the budgets a little bit um, and sell the, the movies or lease the movies or whatever the correct term is to the theater chains at a lower rate, lower the ticket prices, get people in, keep concessions outrageous. They've always been outrageous. You know, that's where they make their profit anyways. Like if you could lower the bottom dollar on some of these things to get people back in the theaters, I think you would see a shift in the positivity of the people in the theater. I think you would see people starting to behave like we used to when, you know, you sit and you watch the movie. And again, I think the community, if there was a lot more people in the theater and it wasn't just five of us, yep. the the majority would, would overwhelm those few who don't want to fall in line. And if you had employees who could, 
you know, actually do their jobs and help them make money and things like that. I think it would increase the overall experience. And again, that's the, the irony here. It's like, I'm going to use a really crude metaphor, but when your phone is dying, right? When you're, when your battery is on its last leg, it starts chirping at you to let you know that the battery is dying. I've always found that ironic because it's like, well, you're using more battery now alerting me every four seconds that my phone is dying than you were the whole other time. Don't do that. And it's kind of what we're seeing here. It's like, oh, people aren't coming to the theaters. Let's make the experience worse. Because that will make people come back to the theaters and it won't. Like you have to you have to spend money to make money. You know, like that's the the old uh, cliche. And if you don't fix these little bugaboo problems, if you don't make the theatrical experience a pleasant one, people won't come back. Yeah. People like us will because we we want to see the movies. <laughs> we but do. I I seeing anyone but you with an audience made that movie better because they were laughing and that made me comfortable to laugh also cuz sitting alone in the theater laughing is a little awkward. Like no one's there to judge me, but it's it doesn't feel necessary. But when you're in a room full of people and they laugh, it's contagious and it makes the film better. When you're in a horror movie and people scream, and even if you don't, if you aren't scared, you will laugh at everyone else's. You get a kick out of it, yeah. Yes. And so, like, that's the, the communal part of it. And I but want to see at, movies Look at No Way friends. Home, John. We mentioned that. I, I always use that yeah. as my kind of go-to yes. now. The moment where the Spideys come through the portals. People lost their sh- mind lost, at yes. those parts. And, of course, obviously, you could also throw in portals of Endgame and everything. But if I mm-hmm. watched No Way Home for the first time on Disney+, Plus. And that scene came on, you know, you, you know, Toby Maguire walked through the portal. I kind of smile and think, oh, nice. But that's it. And I, and I have since kind of gone there and be like, oh, that's cool. But the communal experience made it so much better than what it actually is in, in reality. And um, I also just wanted to remember too, to kind of agree with you as well about the, the trade, not even the trailer, the lack of, man, my ticket, my film starts at seven. Okay. Start the trailers at half past six. So my film starts at seven or put the start time on the ticket. I know that then people, uh, the, the advertisers will say, well, hold on, no one's going to watch our adverts, but they're still making money from it because there are, I think now the, on average, when I go and watch a film, there's maybe on average three trailers. So three trailers, sometimes four, maybe what, maybe, maybe if you're lucky, there'll be another one, but very rarely usually three film trailers, which are of course aligned to the certification of whatever the film is. And then on either side of that, you have between 10 to 15 minutes of just nondescript awful adverts just for everyday products. Or like you said, uh, one's trying to sell me the unlimited car, which you already have, uh, or just ones about the theater itself. So I think, I think when you were describing them, I think you guys pretty much get exactly the same ones that we do over here. And, by the time I, I I think about it, I'm like, well, it's meant to start at seven. It's now half past seven, and the film is just thinking about starting, and it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. I and mean, when we've always had uh, adverts yeah, in the yeah. theaters, I mean, I always remember, even as a kid, I used to get annoyed, but only because there would be like two. Whereas now, the whole thing is you, you get in and you've got twenty over twenty minutes of adverts. Yeah, but the time to- and, and annoyingly, the time I actually got there a little bit later to eschew the adverts the film had started so i'd missed the first few minutes so i don't know what was going on there but what film was it it was uh cobweb i think it was it's like i think cobwebs i think i i, I missed out some of those adverts the film went to the hopper seven i'll get there about quarter to eight 
miss most of them. Got their quarter to where the film had barely started. So uh, again, like I, said, yeah. I don't know what is with all that, but uh, and even with the unlimited slash secret screenings we have uh, for the unlimited cards and that, even they even they are jammed full of um, trailers. Uh, yeah, sorry, they didn't used to be. When they first the did the mystery movie, it was like instant start. And then yeah. like the last couple have been 20 minutes of trailers. I'm like, come on, man. Trailers. And that's what I love about a, you know, not to toot the horn, but you know, we've, we get invited when we go to these press screenings, you, know, you turn up films, mm-hmm. seats, you know, doors open half six film starts at seven. I actually know the film will start at seven or one minute past. If you, if you, if you're yeah. lucky, but film starts at seven, it comes straight in. It's done with now that works because of the format as a press screening. You're there to watch yeah, it, yeah. make notes and get out. But you know, th- I, I find that almost more, that kind of regimented aspect are almost more enjoyable now, despite me loving seeing the trailers on the big screen. Like even, even like Disney plus trailers I've seen re- in recent months, I feel like Mando or whatever. And, or the new Ghostbusters one I saw on the big screen. All these, all, all the horror trailers I like seeing quite enjoyed that kind of turn up at seven film starts at seven, get out by nine, whatever quite enjoyed that and i would would like to see a bit more of that but with what's going on with 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 streaming john that that's only going to push prices up because cinemas are now becoming almost more you know it's, it's more of a niche thing almost it's, it's more of a yeah exclusive thing like it probably was back in the day like flying was back in the day where well you can watch a film at home or if you spend a bit more you can come and watch it a big screen with the best sound it's not the only player in town anymore the uh obviously did the the cost of digital projection projection up bumped up tickets the cost of studio films has bumped up tickets um i'd say the cost of living I mean, inflation you could argue with that but inflation isn't making you say that bag of popcorn is worth 15 dollars. that's the studios yeah, the, the, not. that's not the studios that's the 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 chains but then the the problem is jb the, the, the trains aren't making anywhere near enough money from the tickets so they have to charge these stupid prices for the concessions so who, who who's to blame here? The studios pretty much mandate the cost of tickets because of their budgets, which means that these the chains, the cinemas have to then say, well, <laughs> we we hit a large popcorn or soda, yeah, that's eighteen dollars. What? We talk, but that's because that the only way they're making their money is through concessions, pretty much now. So it's kind of like a it's a catch twenty two yeah. almost. I, they, they've played around with a few different pricing points for like within a single theater. Like they, uh, AMC tried to do like uh premier pricing for like the middle seats and stuff, but what they might need to try to do, cause in the old days, and I'm sure it was the same for you, but like we had the big multiplex got the new movies. And then as yes. those movies aged out, we had like dollar theaters where we could go and like pay a buck to see a movie that's been out for like two months or whatever. But those theaters have all but closed for the most part. Like at least for me, like there's almost no cheap theater. It's either, you have the big multiplex or you have a little art house theater, but there's no like in between chain theater anymore, um, anywhere near me. And, uh, maybe what the multiplexes need to do is like, they have their big auditoriums, right? Like we have, I think theaters one, seven and eight are like the massive theaters in my, my particular, uh, theater. Maybe those get the new movies and those have the premium pricing, like $13, but maybe once it hits theater number four, the pricing goes down because it's a smaller theater. It's, you know, it's not as nice. The screens got damage on it. Like it, maybe they need to do that like dollar theater process or this movie's been out for two months. So we're still showing it because there's nothing else here, but we're going to show it at a reduced price. And they do that like on Tuesday nights. I think they have like $5 movies at our theater, 
but maybe finding something like that to, to again, get people to show up. Like maybe they won't come opening weekend, but they'll come in three weeks or four weeks when it's at theater number five and it's a dollar, you know, or whatever. Like, cause yeah. again, it's still some money. You're still getting some of that money in versus nobody coming to see it at all. And then waiting to see it on streaming, you know? Yeah. And you're still I, getting I that experience rather than, you know, no disrespect to Disney, Paramount, Max, and all the rest of them, but you're still getting that big screen experience, even if it is a, a smaller theatre where, where the sound might not be quite as incredible or the screen might be a little bit smaller. It's still bigger than watching it on your screen at home. Um, I don't know about you as well over in the States, but in the UK, certainly, there, some cinemas also have a surcharge based on where they are in the country. So if you go to a cinema in London, you're paying yes. more. If you go to yeah, one in Manchester... You're paying That's, more Birmingham. You mentioned the ticket prices like doubling. Like my theater's ticket prices have been the same for a while. Like they might have gone up a dollar or something, but like especially with the unlimited pass, it's not even not even a thought for me of how much I'm spending on movies. Like based on I've saw 75 movies paying $20 a month for the unlimited here cuz that the unlimited varies on your location too. Because I only have one theater in my my general vicinity, it's twenty bucks. I think if I live in Orlando, it's like twenty five bucks a month instead. Right, yeah. Um, yes, that's the, yeah. And and but it, like the Orlando tickets are like closer to twenty dollars a ticket, where like my tickets are like twelve bucks, I think, um, if you're buying a just a regular ticket. Uh, but with the unlimited, I'm paying twenty bucks a month. I've seen seventy five movies, so like it it averages. I paid like three dollars a movie. Now I am the anomaly there. Most people who have unlimited are probably seeing one movie or two movies a month. I am seeing almost every movie because that is what my fixation Same. has been. But next year, I, I am going to severely decrease my movie viewing because I'm I'm starting the doctorate program. I will most likely just be seeing the weekly movie for the podcast um, and maybe doing like one at home streaming of like something small for uh, for review purposes. But um, but I'm still like to me, as long as I'm seeing two movies, because that's two tickets is 22 bucks. So I'm saving two dollars with unlimited. If I see four movies, then it's, you know, still cheaper than buying a ticket for each one. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I, I like I like that um, that option. And there have been months where I barely see anything. And then there are other months where I see everything and it balances out. But yeah, but you're definitely a thing here. Like the big I know New York tickets are supposed to be outrageous, like yeah, per, per ticket right now. I don't like that, but it's that with my my limited ticket is nine nine ten ten dollars ten pounds a month, what fifteen bucks a month maybe, um, and that's because mm. of the location. Even when I move in the next few months to a new area of the country, that then goes up to twelve pounds a month, so eighteen dollars a month, whatever. And then if I if, but if I also want to be able to use it in London, I, I, that then goes up to about twenty pounds a month just for the privilege of being able to see a film in London, which I think is, I think it stinks. Um, and I don't like that whatsoever. I just think it should be a flat charge. doesn't matter where, where you live. It's yeah. You're still seeing it. If I see it in my current one or in the one 40 for 60 miles up the road, if you want to talk about demographics and stuff like that, the, the towns are the same size. There's not one is no more prestigious than the other. Why are you charging me more? So there, there are so many reasons what that they could do to change it. Less, less adverts before the films, if anything, more trailers, because you know, that, how are you going to get people to come back to your theater? Show them more trailers, get the families who only go once or twice a year interested by showing, showing them, you know, more beckoning them with more things. Like, oh, here's, let's play seven trailers. And maybe that family who have just spent £150 coming to watch this film, maybe they'll think, oh, actually, I really like that one. Or one of the kids is like, oh, let's go and see that. 
then they come back and see another one rather than having the kids and the family get annoyed at having to watch half an hour's worth of adverts and then come mm-hmm. trailers. To me, more trailers, more chances of people seeing something they want and coming back. Also, it's a cinema. It's your literally your place of businesses to show film. So keep it in keep it in house and show the films. Are the trailers? I mean the the concessions. I don't think there's much they can do about that until the studios cap their budgets in terms of the films that's that's the only problem they can do deals like they are you know two large drinks two popcorns for this much and hopefully it'll beckon people in but people just bring their own stuff in now and i think most of the time the staff are so i don't know what you know and i feel for them alienated they just kind of turn a blind eye like yeah take it what do i care take it in whereas i I do remember when i used to work in a cinema or in a theater uh, adjacent to a cinema and sometimes it pull doubles shifts and go and work in there it used to be very kind of strict, like you can't bring your own stuff in. And there was yeah. more than enough people yeah. on the doors. There was people checking you weren't on your phone. There were people checking that, you know, the film, you, the ticket you bought is the film you're going to see. I remember the days when it was fully staffed because I was there, I was working in it. And it is a far cry now. So, I mean, they, they want these, the, 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 it's almost, my final thought is they've almost kind of tried to give you such a great experience in terms of, when you walk in, as soon as you walk in the doors, you're hit by these neon lights. There's screens everywhere showing trailers. There's, you know, the 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 concession stands are these big funky um, uh, kiosks. Now you've got the digital uh, booths where I am. Uh, you've got uh, even like even 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 like the uh, what's it called addition of more escalators. Sounds stupid, but it's, it costs more to run than it does just to have stairs and obviously you need that for disability and the lifts and stuff there's more screens the screens are bigger the sounds are bigger uh the sorry the, yeah the speakers are then are bigger the the protections now obviously all digital now so the screens have to be bigger and have to uh be more capable of showing those films there's so many things that the theaters have done to kind of say like this is when you come here you're getting the ultimate experience but kind of beating them in the backside because it hasn't been sustainable for them. And then unfortunately the pandemic hit and that is what, you know, that economically that is been an absolute death knell for the theaters almost. Um, and I do think we're lucky that lockdowns ended when they did because otherwise I think we would have seen a lot more chains going under and I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we do at some point see, we've said this before, you know, Amazon cinema or Disney cinema, but Amazon or some just a studio owning a chain. And, you know, maybe they'll show other films, but they can't, they show their films. And that's how we're going to be doing the cinematic experience. Now it's almost like streaming in a cinema. Amazon will show their films. I think one day we'll get to something like that, but there are many, many things they can do out there, John, of which we've mentioned. And, not, and listen, we're not sitting here saying we're business experts and we can, no, we can make you, <laughs> you know, we can make you 50% more, but we probably could, to be fair. But these are things that as we are, we are patrons, we are theatre goers, we are people who have been there through it enough now, the good times and the bad, to see how things have changed. And there are things which are better. You know, you could argue that, yeah, you don't get a ticket, but if I book online, I can skip the queues and go straight in. You could argue that's much more convenient fine and there are pros and cons but uh i think the experience in itself has taken a huge hit and there are so many quick wins that they can do but unfortunately money talks john and i think that is the bane of it is the money that they aren't making that they have to recoup from somewhere and as and as uh the punt the punters we are the ones who are the foot the bill or have our experience uh hampered because of it yep and 
that's why we decided to make that arc appropriate concessions conversation. Yes. So if you're listening, guys, at cinemas, hire us. We can do a good job. We'll do a better job. There you go. I've challenged you now. We'll do a better job of getting bums in seats. But before we carry on and go on to that in an even more of a, even more of a um, wild tangent on that, let's move on to our our next segment where we run through the things that we've been checking out recently. It's called media consumption: the films, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, musics, and podcasts. Music that aren't ours that we used to pass time since the last episode. We'll tell you what it is. We'll run through them very quickly. And we also drop reviews on our TikTok uh, and our Instagram. So if you want to hear thoughts about any of the particular films, well, we might just drop a little review on these socials for you. But JB, what have you been checking out since our last episode? Well, as we said, we're just going to kind of list through these. Um, I've been listening to podcasts, Big Picture Show, Rewatchables, and Blank Check. I've been doing a lot of back episodes of Rewatchables. Um, it's a, a pretty good podcast. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Sean Fantasy and Chris Ryan, so I try to listen to episodes that they are on. Nice. Uh, they're not regular hosts, but they are. Uh, they are Sean Fantasy's the host of Big Picture Show. Really become a huge fan. Um, Movie-wise, uh, a lot of stuff. I'm just going to hit this list real hard. Office Christmas Party, Mixed Nuts, Eight Crazy Nights, <laughs> The Bishop's Wife, uh, which is the Cary Grant film from the 40s. Um, Silent Night, Bloody Night, uh, which is not connected to Silent Night, Deadly Night, but I came across it as a result of that, and I was like, okay. Um, uh, Im- Imagination's Migration. Um, it's a Wonderful Life is a staple I have to rewatch every year. My favorite movie of all time. Uh, Scrooge, the that's the musical with Albert Finney as Scrooge. Um, Always Watch a Christmas Story on Christmas Eve. Good Grief is a new movie that's out on Netflix today. I think that should have been a Christmas release. It has, it starts at a Christmas party. I don't know what they were thinking waiting a week. Mm-hmm. Um, a few good men. First time I've ever seen it. Uh, hey, shock. Great movie. Um, caught anyone but you in theaters. Now my review is up at burkreviews.com for that one. Uh, Rebel Moon part one on Netflix right now. Um, I thought pretty watchable, if not super derivative, but nevertheless, um too much slow motion the natural the 1984 film yes i'm starting to prep potentially for maybe a future astrology thing who knows the way that's going right now but well you know it's it's on the it's on the books um and uh, then as, as i mentioned i went and saw the boys in the boat the new george clooney film which the story is undeniable the movie is badly made but uh, some good performances in it but man there's some directorial choices that i'm just like what in the world and structural st- choices where i'm like why is there a framing device in this it's, it's so pointless one of the most pointless framing devices i've ever seen but um still undeniable story it's it's very inspiring despite the many many flaws um and that's what i've been watching uh or consuming as we should say matt what have you been consuming uh, a usual list and a half from JB. So like we say, check out the socials. You may or may not be seeing some reviews of those films on there. Uh, me, I've been listening, watching Double Toasted. I've been enjoying their bad movie roast for the last few days uh, to kind of unwind after a busy Christmas celebration. And in terms of films, uh, The Muppets Christmas Carol, John. It yeah. had to be done. Sat down and watched that. Always enjoy that. And as for newbies, I finally got around to watching Maestro. I watched Priscilla. And I sat through the utter sh- utter crap that was Rebel Moon Part ah. One. Now I'm not so going you- to. I I did not like Rebel Moon, and it's nothing to do with the IP that it was originally based on. I just it's got good moments and it. it's got some cool moments and it. it's got some cool visuals. I just don't think it's very good. 
Um, I did watch it while doing other stuff, so that might have made like I might have only tuned into the good stuff. (laughs) And and there are some good bits in there again. Not to labour this because I'm pretty sure we'll drop again to 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 plug the TikTok shamelessly and the and the reels. I'm pretty sure one or both of us will probably do something for Rebel Moon. But um, there there are good moments in it. There are, and there are some good scenes. Like towards the end, it gets pretty good, and some of the visuals are very decent. But you know, and I'm not going to. But there's nothing. There's not. A Zack Snyder issue. I've got no issue with Zack Snyder as a person. He does use slow motion too much, but um, I just think the film itself isn't great. I don't care who directs it; it's just not a great film. So, um, other than that, not nothing else real, John, because it's I've been just busy pre-Christmas, Christmas, and now. But pr- uh, ahead of next week's episode, I have got some homework, and I will be blasting through some films, ready to make sure that next week is as good as it can be, and. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to jump too much, too quickly to next week, JB, because and this is the last show of the year, you know. And every week we've had to stay bloody awesome one way or another. And I am not going to let you leave 2023 without telling me how you've been staying bloody awesome this week. Well, this week I would say Christmas lasagna. Ooh. So we opted for a uh, non-traditional Christmas dinner because it is just the four of us. Um, so I made, we made lasagna and my wife was going to make lasagna. She's made lasagna many times in her life. I have not, but she woke up very, very sick. And I'm like, you don't have to do this. I can totally, I, I cook most of the time. So I'm like, I got this. I can do it. I've made lasagna once. Uh, I'll, you know, but the thing is the, the previous time I made lasagna, I bought the noodles where you don't have to boil them. They were just like, you put them in and they say it, it bakes that way kind of thing. Um, so this time I bought like the, the noodles you're supposed to boil them and all that. So I was a little more like, Oh no, what if I mess this up? And the one thing I do have a problem with building lasagnas is like figuring out how much cheese, like, cause you only have so much cheese, right? Like you have yeah. the, the container of ricotta and like, if you put too much on too early, then you don't have any for the top layers. And if you wait and you don't put enough on, then those top layers are like really heavy. And I just, I was very concerned about portion control. Um, I, I think I did a pretty good job, but made, made lasagna on Monday. Everyone was happy with it. Uh, garlic bread and Caesar salad, uh, as the side then, uh, but I, I bought lasagna, like making stuff as if we were making for a lot of people. So I had extra stuff. So, uh, two days later, I decided to try lasagna rolls which is you boil the lasagna noodles and instead of layering it, you, you spread cheese on a individual noodle, you spread meat sauce on top of that cheese and then you roll it and put it in a pan and then put more cheese on top of all of these rolls and bake it. Um, so I did that and I think I like that more. Um, frankly, it's way more time consuming and very messy. Like when you're rolling, you're getting sauce and cheese all over your fingers. Like it's impossible not to, I did, uh, thanks to a YouTube tip. I, I, put them on a cookie sheet with parchment paper so all of the the cheese and stuff that squeezed out while i was rolling went onto the parchment paper and i was able to scoop it back up and put it on the next one so it was you know uh i i glad i did my my viewing before trying to roll up the lasagna but lasagna rolls uh i made two lasagnas this week in two different ways uh both in the, the christmas spirit uh the funny thing was i i messed up and when i made the lasagna rolls on wednesday i thought i uh, my whole family would be of home for dinner and i forgot my wife had a commitment that evening and my kids are our kids who they wake up at like four so when i'm like getting ready to eat dinner they're like we're getting our day started and so i ate alone on wednesday night um but it was good there's a lot of leftovers so 
but I That's spent a lot of time rolling up lasagna for myself, apparently. But what about you, sir? What did what have you done to stay bloody awesome this uh, holiday week? Well, nothing as exciting as rolling up lasagna for myself. That does sound, you know me, I love food. <laughs> food. So that sounds bloody awesome to me. My mine is straight up. It's just Christmas. What else could it have been, my friend, other than? Christmas to me staying bloody awesome by doing Christmas. Just seeing family, eating too much, getting some great presents, gifting some admittedly great presents as well. Um and just having a nice time. And uh I know you know I know people say, oh, Christmas is losing its meaning or it's a prescribed fun time, but no, that, that's what New Year's Eve is. That's prescribed fun time. You have to pretend like you enjoy it. <laughs> I couldn't give two dams. Christmas, I love it. Um, yeah, watching some Christmas films or Christmas television, it, or even just going for a walk and seeing all the lights up, or driving through, driving home for Christmas. If, thank you, Chris Rear, um, and just seeing all the lights up. But yeah, just just Christmas, man, just having a great time with friends and family, eating too much, uh, having a few Christmas beers or rum, more like, uh, and just enjoying the spoils of the season, and feeling a little sad. I've got to wait another year for it to be back again, but. No, we, we, we've got you covered on the band, but don't worry about that for another year. But Christmas, what else could it be? And, and for yours as well, Christmas is on you. Me, Christmas. We are Christmas out, I think, by now, John Burke. Yeah. There was nothing else that we could have done to stay bloody awesome. But we do have one more treat for you. One more treat. Now, it isn't in 2023, but it is in the beginning of 2024. We know you've been waiting for this all year. And I know John has been sweating about this all year. Next week's episode is, I've got nothing to do a drum roll. The Bampies, the Bampy Awards for 2024, <laughs> which are our, you know, we have, we have some fun. It's our annual awards celebrating the best out and slash maybe most disappointing of 2023. So we're looking back at the year that was and giving out our awards, similar to the Oscars in terms of the categories. It's also going to be uh, available to watch as well. So you get to see us. Uh, which is always quite fun. So we like to film ourselves and we don't know what the other person has chosen for any of the categories. So everything you hear on the night is real. <laughs> so when John picks Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom as his third best film of the year, the shock in my voice will be real. So just remember that, guys. I hope I haven't spoiled your third favorite film of the year, John, being Aquaman 2. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think I kept that under wraps pretty well. Okay, good. Well, if it isn't that, then I've just spoiled the fact that it isn't. So, uh, yes, next week, guys, it is the Bampies. It's our little award show. So uh, if you're tuning in expecting to hear a concessions or media consumption, I wouldn't because they won't be. It will just be straight up Bampies. We always enjoy doing that. And it's a fun way to start the year off. So that's what we're doing next week. Thank you for listening to this episode where we covered Aquaman 2. Let us know what you thought about the film by following us on social media. Find us on Twitter or X at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And as we've mentioned uh, a few times on the episode already, but I'm going to mention again, we are also on TikTok where we drop uh, reviews, mini reviews of the films that we mention in media consumption mainly. We'll also do the main episode, but if you want to know what we thought about Rebel Moon or some of the other films, you're going to find them on TikTok. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Pod on there. Please follow us and support. Uh, we're quite, we, we enjoy putting them out, so you know, give us more reason to do so. And if you're on Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, where to find us. Uh, 
check out the tomato meter for every film we talk about because more likely than not you'll see the bloody awesome movie podcast has contributed to it because we are an rt approved podcast so check that out let's see where we're going to end up with aquaman it's going to be interesting to see whether we go fresh or rotten we'll discuss that shortly but if you want to find me online you can do just go to what i watch tonight.co.uk and search what i watch tonight across all of the socials including letterboxd jb where are you i'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms yes sir and if you like what we're doing and we certainly hope you do please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice because those stars genuinely help the show get out to a wider audience and we love what we do and we'd love more people to love what we do as well so with that for 2023 as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies blood 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 bloody 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 blood blood bloody awesome